Hey, Bob WP here, and welcome to Woo Dev Chat, a Do the Woo podcast show. This show is brought to you by Avalara. If you have clients who sell in the EU or UK, make sure they know about cross-border and international selling with their Avatax, which you can find on the Woo Marketplace. And Weglot, who is known in the WordPress and WooCommerce space as the solution to help builders turn client sites into multilingual shops at Weglot.com. I'll share more about our sponsors later in the show. But hey, it's time for another Woo Dev Chat with Zach and Carl. This time, they are joined by Ben Gabler from Rocket.net and Tom Finelli from Convezio. And they dive into hosting difficult WooCommerce sites. Need I say more? Everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Woo Dev Chats. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Zach Stepik, and I'm here with my co-host, Carl Alexander. Carl, how are you? I'm good. I'm in the future now. I'm in Tokyo, so it's Friday now. Nice. It's always good to be in the future, right? So uh, what brings you to Tokyo this time? Just uh, relaxing? I was here just for myself, but also was working at Tokyo last weekend. So that was kind of fun. Uh, I got to meet a lot of the organizers for WordCamp Asia uh the taiwan community and yeah i mean for those that didn't know like i i was shocked but like the tokyo work camp used to have a thousand one hundred attendees that's even bigger than the miami one which i thought was the the largest uh work camp yeah so it's it's actually like an insanely large community and their work camp ticket it it was mind boggling. Their WordCamp ticket was like two thousand yen, which is like about sixteen dollars US. Yeah, that's really low. Yeah, because they had like thirty something sponsors. It's, it was wild. Like it was wild. It it was a lot of fun. That's a lot of sponsors. Um, awesome to see that much community involvement and sponsorship uh, in Tokyo. Um, you know, my understanding is that the community over there is great. So yeah, they're awesome. I had a great time. I've met a few people who have come over for US and they've uh they've all been very kind, very down to earth and very interested in having all of us come and visit them. So um I think that's awesome that you got a chance to do that. So today uh we have a couple of special guests with us. I know we never have special guests, no, do we? Never. I've never It's always just Carl and I rambling on. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> so uh today we've we've chosen to focus on the topic of hosting uh difficult woocommerce sites and i couldn't think of two better people to invite than ben gabler from rocket.net and tom finelli from Confessio. uh so why don't we start out ben with letting you introduce yourself yeah, thanks for having me. <clears throat> My name is Ben Gabler. I'm the CEO and founder of Rocket.net. Uh, I've been in the hosting space about 21 years now, so uh, going strong. That's awesome. And Tom? Uh, hello, everyone. My name's Tom. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Convesio. And just hearing how long Ben has been in the hosting space is making me feel old. So I'm not going to say how long I've been in the space, but a long time. That's awesome. And um, both of you have 
you know, in recent years started hosts that have made a significant impact, in my opinion, on the hosting space, do things a little differently. So uh, I don't want to, you know, spend a lot of time on, on sales pitches, of course, but why don't we talk just briefly about the key differentiators that you feel each platform has? Uh, Tom, we'll start with you first, and then we'll go to Ben. Yeah, so um, we are squarely focused in what I would call the mid-market of helping people scale hard-to-scale sites. This is e-commerce. You know, our our typical customer has somewhere between 2,000 to 70 or 80,000 orders per month. They're high-growth stores membership sites or uh, LMSs, online learning with lots of concurrent users. And so we have pretty much shaped our business and team around helping end users that have those sites and agencies that work with those sites. Um, And we have a team of experts at scaling those type of sites and a platform that works for those sites to scale. And so that's really what our focus is, is providing an amazing experience for that niche of people. Awesome. And Ben? So our approach was a little bit different. Um, you know, some of the things that I noticed when I launched the business was everybody out there was kind of touting the same thing. Google Cloud, Google Cloud, Google Cloud, containers, this, that, and the other. And, uh, you know, Rocket kind of broke into the market with an edge-first strategy. But ultimately, part of that strategy was eliminating the bottleneck of the network on some of these resources and localizing a database server and just kind of even going back to basics, similar to what I did when I relaunched all the hosting at GoDaddy. You know, what we see with with like WooCommerce as an example is we have yet to see something actually need more than a single server for that. But really the bottleneck is, is coming down to what we see at the core fundamentals of how WooCommerce and WordPress are built to leverage MySQL. And to give you an example there, uh, which I'm sure we'll get into this during the the call, but what we see is like somebody will have 100 checkouts a minute or a second or whatever it might be, but let's say their merchant gateway is taking 30 seconds to process a payment. And at that point, they're doing a lock on the database and it's unable to process any other orders because of the inventory management. So, you know, we've seen a lot of that. Um, so we've just continued to kind of focus on how we can innovate in the space to alleviate some of those issues on the stack. Uh, you know, we recently brought on Dave Costa as our CTO and him and his brother created a little piece of software called cPanel. So, you know, I think we're taking a, a really heavy SaaS approach to what we're doing and, and kind of uh, looking at how we can solve some of these critical pain points when it comes to scaling. So, here on the Woo Dev Chats, we tend to focus on issues and things that uh, developers deal with. We've talked a lot about uh, about scaling. We've talked a lot about uh, things like high performance order storage uh, and you know the future of WooCommerce. Uh, in those spaces, we've talked about subscriptions and. I uh, had somebody on that has a large subscription site that uh, has all of the renewals happening on the same day. So we tend to talk about those pain points. And I wanted to give an opportunity for each of you to kind of share um, a story about one of those pain points that you've seen yourself with a WooCommerce site. 
and how you resolved it. Sure. So, I mean, I'll jump in kind of tailing off of what I was talking about earlier. You know, we had a, an enterprise customer and no matter what hardware, you know, the hardware would be running at 5% utilization, 96 cores, you, know, you name it, uh, NVMe storage. And there was still this, this bottleneck on whenever a large sale would happen. And we finally threw some APM on there and figured out it was the merchant gateway in Brazil taking 30 seconds to process a payment. So what would happen is as soon as the first person clicked purchase a complete order, it would lock the inventory. So therefore, every other PHP process would just stack and stack and stack and stack. Because it could, no matter what you do with MySQL, if that's the way it's built, there's no getting around that. It doesn't matter what you do. So, you know, our recommendation and what we've seen is change, like, incrementing and decrementing inventory in different ways. So when somebody adds the cart, decrement the inventory right then and there, right? Um, it's an instantaneous call for the most part, and you can add some sort of time limit on it. So if that checkout doesn't complete in, you know, 20 minutes, 10 minutes, whatever it might be, it'll just add it back to the inventory. Um, so there's different ways, uh, to, to go down the rabbit hole to solve some of these things. But I think ultimately some of the conversations we're having with core, especially now with Dave on board is, Hey, instead of SQL light being an option, why isn't there just an ORM, right? Like, why can't we use cockroach db or something else to start scaling wordpress cross region uh, and do and kind of keep up with with different ways to handle asset compliance and things like that and you know the biggest challenge i would say is you get into all these different stores like there's there's some customers we host that that solve that problem already but then they ran into different problems um you know there's there's all kinds of little things and 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 ways that you can even tweak, you know, what happens in the stock commerce shop to even reduce some of those PHP calls to, to begin with. But the, the real challenge I think that's happening and why we're seeing a bleed to Shopify right now uh, is sort of that MySQL dependency and how some of the default behavior works because, you know, I don't know how many of the developers on WooCommerce and the contributors are working with Matt, like large, large volume stores. You know, if you're solving for the local business selling t-shirts, you know, here and there, like no big deal, you know, that type of, you know, delay on inventory at checkout doesn't really matter. Uh, it's when you get into the high volume stuff. And, you know, that's, that's kind of one of the pain points that we saw that ended up coming down to a fundamental uh, way the software works. Yeah, and I would I would say that you know the vast majority of core WooCommerce code is extremely performant. Um, you know, if you take a, I mean, we've done a lot. We do a lot of load testing in our world, and you know, if you throw up a default WooCommerce store with no plugins and just uh, everything set to default and a Stripe gateway, you would be shocked at the amount of orders you can process with very very little. Um, you know, uh, CPU and, and memory overhead. And, you know, both Ben and I, our companies implement all of the latest, greatest, best practices with Redis and Relay and Object Cache Pro and, you know, edge caching and all this stuff. The problem is when you start having so many plugins needed and people have, the, the, usually what winds up happening is when people were small, everything works fine. And then when they start to scale, they're like, what the heck is wrong? And it's always like, it's WooCommerce's fault, you know? It's not these hundred other plugins that I've got running. And I'll give you just an example to your point on your question, 
you know, we have a guy that's got a large membership site, um, actually the biggest membership site in Africa in the French language. And he had, you know, he's had a lot of growth and one plugin that we disabled, one of my favorite plugins. And it's like that plugin, and I, I won't fault the plugin people, but here's the thing with this plugin. It allows you to do things. It's one of these like, if this happens, do this type thing. And you can do some really, really bad, inefficient things with that plugin, you know? And you can tell it to say, hey, I want to scan my entire post table to find anything like this and put like a wildcard search in it. And if you're doing a lot of functions at once with that, your site's going to come to a crawl. Disabling that one plugin took his load time from eight seconds to four seconds, okay? So that is one example of how people customize with plugins or customize WooCommerce or their theme that is just bad for performance and you don't notice it until you start getting scale. And that's why it's really hard. Like as Ben said, you can throw as many resources as you want as this. You're not fixing this with resource, um, you know, more resources. You have to dig into the code, use New Relic, APM, look at what's going on and make some decisions to cut some stuff or change things. But I thought that the the traditional way to do this from what I've been told by other hosts in the past is to throw more bare metal at it. Well, I mean, that's where you start to get down to the root, root cause of the problem, right? So it doesn't matter if you have a thousand GPUs running your WooCommerce store. If you're locking a table, there's nothing you can do about it, right? And, you know, the like to Tom's point, you know, it's not that Uncanny is a bad plugin, right? It's just, I always like to say the one of the best things about WordPress is there's 10,000 million plugins, right? One of the worst things about WordPress is there's 10,000 million plugins, right? So, you know, and it's not even necessarily, I've seen sites with 40 plugins that run fine. You know, I've seen some with 17 that are super heavy, you know, like, um, you know, Yarp is another example of a plugin that just does these insane queries that are all these joins all over the place on unindexed tables. And it's just, it, it, it works for a site with five pages and then you throw it on a site with 200,000 pages and it's just, it's not, it's not going to work. So, you know, I think part of, you know, what, what we, uh, should be focusing on is you know we've seen a lot of our enterprise customers and it's not our, it's not because of us not because of tom they just get frustrated with it they're like we're just going to shopify at this point we're wasting so much money on devops or developers or resources screw it we'll give the revenue to shopify and be done with it and some of them come back you know because they have different limitations over there um but some of them don't you know some of them just get frustrated and they're just they're over it um you know so i think that's where I think it's kind of time to look at this tech stack and, and really start from the ground up with the database. So at Tom's point, the code's amazing. It's always the database and the disk that's going to be your bottleneck no matter what. But there's there's modern systems out there that we could solve that with that just may not be MySQL. I mean, e-commerce is always hard. Like Magento's a, Magento has struggles with the same issues. It's like, it's what they call the EAV, right? E Entity Attribute Value. That's like the main thing, right? It makes it super flexible, right? That's what basically post metas are. To be fair, though, I mean, if you look at Magento 2, right, you, you, like everybody that was a Magento 1 user hates it, 
And the main reason is number one, they are trying to close the ecosystem, right, and and make it their their hosted cloud or whatnot, like sort of like a Shopify. But two, I mean, now it's like Adobe Commerce, right? I think they rebranded it, right? It's Adobe Commerce now. But there's like 16 things you have to do. Like you cannot run it without Redis. You cannot run it without Elasticsearch, right? So on one hand, you're like, this is super annoying. I'm never going to go through this process. But on the other hand, they know that there are systems there that need to be in place for it to effectively scale. Shopify has got Elastic. They've got Redis. They've got everything. And it's just there, right? Well, one thing I'll, I'll mention too is I, I had a I was having a conversation with some of the WooCommerce leadership at, um, you know, we're, we're Camp US and... I I like to stay close to the customer. So I had this lady who came to me and it was a good cause and she had lost her web developers and she was sort of half pregnant with this WooCommerce store. And I said, I'll help you finish it. And I was like, I'm going to personally help you because I haven't built a WooCommerce store in a while. And I was like, I'm stripping out plugins. I'm like, this thing's going to be super light and super fast. And I got down to like, these are the five plugins she needs. And she's like, okay, great. Now we need to add this. And now we need to add this. And now we need to add this. And I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, none of this stuff is core functionality. Packing slips, for example, like is not a core functionality in WooCommerce. And I'm like, how is that? Why do I have to add a plugin for something simple like packing slips? You know, and it's like, so it's like all of this stuff requires us to just pile up more and more and more plugins. And unfortunately, that builds sort of this dependency on like, I'll just add plugins. And that site, which I had such high hopes for of being super lean, now has like a dozen shipping plugins because they have to do all sorts of like different carriers and different weight classes and, you know, shipping, you know, and it's just become like we have dozens and dozens of plugins in it. And it's like, you cannot do this stuff in WooCommerce core. So one of the things I think we need to do is just start to embrace more out-of-the-box features in core that lessen some of the dependencies on very common things that, uh, you know, stores need to do. Well, and I think it's a matter of, you know, it's, it's the, the Spider-Man dilemma, right? With great power comes great responsibility. And we have the ability to configure WooCommerce to do pretty much anything it could ever possibly do but having that level of power means that we also need to be careful how we use that power and you know that's really what it comes down to in in almost every case where i have seen performance issues in a woocommerce store uh apart from inserting 50 order meta for every order uh which is just part of core and they're fixing um but apart from that, in almost every case, it's decisions that make the site slow. It's not WooCommerce itself. And so once, even at, even at large scale, hundreds of thousands of orders a month, WooCommerce can handle it as long as you can get around that one bottleneck of orders, right? Right. And just to, like, to be fair there, I think one of the pieces of low hanging fruit is archiving orders, right? Like cold storage. So like, imagine just having a configuration that says when an order is 60 days old, put it in cold storage. And I don't care if that search takes 10 seconds, no big deal. Right. And, and keep my, keep my hot table, uh, you know, nice and light. And, you know, that's one of the most painful things whenever I log into one of these stores and when they're asking for help is it's just like, man, it takes 
time to to look up an order page no matter what stack you're on just because it's number one are the tables indexed properly probably not um you know and number two is is just it's a lot of data and a lot of joint a lot of data all over the place right yeah it's funny one of the first optimizations that i saw made for woocommerce was disabling the order count in the admin right because that count took so long that it slowed down the entire admin and so that was one of the first optimizations that i started to implement was removing the order count makes sense so carl you've been relatively quiet because our guests have lots of great information but i want to have an opportunity here for you to ask a few questions as well i mean i'm just listening i mean i'm kind of in the same boat right like I'm working with agencies trying to scale WooCommerce. It's hard. It's a hard problem because the use cases vary so so much site per site, right? Uh, I think. I mean, we've discussed it a bunch of times on other podcasts, right? But you can have like a site with three products, and they're just going to do tons and tons of orders, or you can deal with sites where they have like a million SKUs, right? Um, completely different scaling problems um so um i'm just really interested in hearing how everybody is like tackling i think we all three of us have kind of like different approaches to how we want to do it but it's just interesting to i mean i don't really have that much more to say like it's always the plugins they scale in weird ways uh it's not necessarily the developer's fault right um it's hard to predict how your code's going to behave at scale necessarily. So even in my case, so it's just tricky to just figure out what are the, the breakpoints and how to fix them um, or optimize them. I have a question for the group. You don't mind if I take over the host role for a second, Zach, and Carl. <laughs> <laughs> So here's, I'll give you an example of something that just came out and we got friendly with MemberPress and um, at WordCamp US and those are great guys over there. And uh, we happened to have a, a joint customer who had a really big scaling event for her client and they were on another host and had crashed every year during this big sale day. And one of the big questions I want to ask the, the community, and I'm going to give this as the case study of how we should do it, but I guess I want to know who, who do we think should be, who's the person most incentivized to solve this, right? Which is plugins have to test and optimize for these higher scale stores, but they're not super motivated because it's a very small group of people. And there's usually no monetary difference between a plugin selling uh, their product to a store that's doing 200,000 orders a month versus 20 orders a month, right? So what we did with MemberPress is, you know, we brought them into Slack. We have the the agency in Slack and we were winning this deal from another host. So we're like, we're going to load test this site. Tell us how much traffic you expect to get. It used an insane amount of resources. We narrowed it down to one of the MemberPress plugins. It was an integration plugin between Beaver Builder and MemberPress. And the function of that plugin was to check every page if it when it loads, if it had member-restricted content on it. So every time a page was loaded, whether or not there was any, it was a public page or private, no matter what it was, this check was running. 
disable that plugin, the load cut in half. Transaction time doubled. It was huge. We relay all of this in a nice little package to MemberPress in less than 24 hours. It's fixed. They've pushed a release. We're ready for our customer's big event. How that is a great example of how plug-in manufacturers and hosts should be working together. And I think it's on us because quite frankly, like we're probably making a larger amount of money off of this than the actual plug-in manufacturer is. But having those communication channels, having a plug-in manufacturer who's responsive, like most of these people, you submit problems, they don't do anything about it. They're not even responsive to these issues. Or it's point the finger, right? No, it's not us. It's you. No, it's you, not us. Right. Because it's like, oh, well, you know, maybe we're used to dealing with a hosting company that pointed the finger at us in the past. So what can we do as like the new age of hosting providers to get plug-in manufacturers to partner with us, listen to us, give us time and energy and help us fix this because it will level up so many people because we, you know, Ben and Ben and I'll probably both tell you, we see so many different use cases for sites. It's crazy. Like we see many, many more times than what agencies see because we're working with a larger pool of customers than a typical agency. And so there's value in that, our perspective, but it's like, we got to get people to listen to us and, and take our feedback and input seriously. Yeah. I mean, I do similar things as you, I communicate with uh, because like my architecture is like even more right out of the box like uh, like it's like immutable right so um so some plugins like i have channels and i talk with them but obviously some of it comes to scale like i'm not just i'm not a significant scale to like matter but i think some of them are open um some of the time I do the compatibility myself. So if they have the filters, um, I, I, do the, I do the compatibility changes myself. But it's getting that kind of communication that I think is the proactive thing to do. Like, I think like, that's how we get everybody to have a better experience and a better... I think the challenge is how do you scale that, right? Like, yeah, I know it's, 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 it's insane. Yeah. We can't do it. Right. Like, you know, we're about to hit 5 million in revenue at rocket. Right. So like we can't sit here and spend the time trying to, you know, uh, with how many plugins there are, you know, it, it's very difficult now with that said, where I think it gets interesting is like next week I have a call with Mark Westgard at WS forum. Right. And, you know, I think with like Tom talking about member press, you know, I think, I think what, what needs to happen more than anything is I think some of these plug-in contenders need to really start to get more of an open mind around partnering with a hosting company to give the solution to the end user. You know, we're, we're not really seeing that mentality from, from, from plug-in authors and, and companies. It's, it, it's wild. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, I'm just trying, I don't know for you two, but I'm just trying to find, like, within a category, I will try to find one that I can just be like, okay, you're trying to solve this specific problem. I can guarantee you that this plugin will work. You know, like, you're talking like WS forms, right? Like, so if somebody's asking you for a, a form plugin, you can be like, Ben can be, okay, like, we've, we know, uh, we know WS form works well, like, 
these things. But I mean, you need the license. I know what you mean. Like you need some way to like just automatically get a license for like a site. But I think just the, those types of partnerships and relationships are like important because it minimizes right our work because like you have too many sites. I'm just one person. Like they're all scaling problems. Like we can't just do every plugin regardless of our size, right? It's not, it's not realistic. Do you have clients who sell into or across the EU and UK? Likely you may not know about cross-border or international selling, or maybe you need to learn a little bit more because a little knowledge goes a long ways. And with Avalara's Woo integration via Avalara's Avatox, you can help your clients focus on selling while not having to worry about determining tax rates, even with various product types. They use automation to make VAT and sales tax calculation faster, easier, and more accurate with a built-in VAT calculation. Just go to the Woo Marketplace over on WooCommerce.com and search for Avalara's Avatox. Weglot is known as an industry standard in the WordPress space to help builders turn client sites into multilingual shops. And as a supporter of the WooCommerce community, they are not only helping with the language barrier of Woo shops around the world, but they are also global sponsors in the WordPress ecosystem. With this sponsorship, they continue to build long-lasting relationships and make new connections with the community and with you, the Woo Builders. So kudos to Weglot for this larger support to the ecosystem and make sure at the next event you attend to find them and say hi. And you can always learn more about Weglot by simply going to their site, weglot.com. Well, and I think this is an area where initiatives like Gildenberg actually start to make sense, right? And for those of you who aren't familiar uh, Jonathan Wold has uh, started an organization called Gildenberg, which is uh, a guild for WordPress product owners. I think the partnerships part of Gildenberg makes a lot of sense here, because if you're a host that is a Gildenberg partner, you have a direct channel to all of the plugin companies that are part of Gildenberg, and it's a marketplace of plugins that you can then verify all work on your platform and pre-approve as platform approved solutions. And there's a way for everybody to make money. And I think that model moving forward makes a ton of sense because it opens those channels and it makes sure that there is a path to, you know, making sure that plugins do work on your stack and that they are optimized for your stack over time as well. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I have dreamt about having the time to do is, you know, it's like, um, Kevin Ohashi, you know, all of the load testing that he does is awesome, but it's so like everything changes when you have 50 or 60 or 80 or hundred and plus plugins installed in a e-commerce site. And you're slamming it with traffic. And so I almost envision like a version of what Kevin Ohashi has for like pre-built baked sites, plugins, like, 
And we do, like I said, we do a lot of load testing. And so I've like, I've just been getting to the point where I'm like, I just want to publish the results of like, here's a site with these plugins installed. And this is what the load test showed, you know, and just start to have a repository for that. Um, you know, and so maybe Gildenberg is the place to do that. Maybe there's like a, you know, load test verified stamp of approval, you know, for these plugins as, and, and they're the ones that as sites begin to scale, uh, because, you know, at the end of the day, like, uh, like, you know, Ben said earlier, we are the last line of defense against Shopify. Cause I I'll tell you right now, like Ben and I's companies, like we don't want to lose customers especially people who are at the high end of the spectrum who want to feel like, you know, I need to graduate to like a Shopify solution. So we move heaven and earth to try and keep those people on WooCommerce. But if they leave, they're leaving those plugins too. So it's an incentive for everybody to keep these people happy. I just, I'm not sure that the plugin companies as a whole have been traditionally focused on this at all. You know, to that point, it just kind of gave me like a random thought, right? Everybody's so focused on core web vitals, not as much anymore, but they were, right? Like at what point is there, is there some sort of core, core WordPress vital where a plugin has some sort of, you know, impact on an install, right? Like what if there was a way for, some, and granted, it, it can, it, it can depend on a lot of things. It's like, Hey, this plugin is compatible with this version. It's been tested up to, you know, 100,000 uh, items in this database, blah, whatever it might be. But, you know, I think I think the real problem is there's no, everybody's so focused on website performance on the front end. Nobody's really focused on the back end and sitting there saying like, how can we take that same methodology that the world went nuts over from Google and apply it to the actual core, like, like software stack and know that like, you know, do you want to have a related, I like so, like something as simple as related items. Amazon does it. No problem. Right. You, you go to a, a T, you know, like a, like a, like I bought Sonos speakers. Right. And then one of the related items was the Sonos arc. Right. And then another one, another one, you do that in WooCommerce. That's heavy, depending on how many variations, this, that, the other, whatever it might be. So when you start to think about that, you know, you can solve that quicker with a uh, what is it? Elastipress if you use Elasticsearch. But now again, you're starting to get down into the weeds on 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 how you're deploying this thing, but you know, at what point do we not sit and say like, okay, you know, uh packing slips makes a lot of sense, right? How do we build that in a very minimalistic way without, you know, any kind of crazy database queries and, and starting to figure out like just the stack. And again, I, I get that it's very difficult with, you know, half the internet running on this, this CMS. But at the end of the day, I think that's really where the conversation needs to be is like, there is no standard or expectation of plugin development and code quality, right? Like, like we, we started, you know, Dave was, uh, contributing at contributor day and the way that the test runner downloads, like you have to install NPM just to run Docker from within JavaScript to run a test suite. And he's like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, why wouldn't you just run Docker or something like that? And it was just, there's a lot of things that have happened over time and it's, and it's expected after all these years. But at what point do we not start to say, you know, like, yeah, I agree. We should have relationships with plugins, but. Uh, maybe there is a need for some sort of, uh, you know, optimization effort on the actual code and, and what these plugins are doing. Well, that's what Johnny is working on and like the performance team. Um, 
So there's like some work going there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty bullish, honestly, on the whole thing. I was talking a lot about it at WordCamp Tokyo, but a lot of what we're talking about is because like a lot of where we, we see the growth is these kind of WordPress applications, right? So you, when you were talking about like web core vitals is not as important, it's because they're, they're applications. Like we're talking LMSs, we're talking WooCommerce, we're talking Buddy Boss sites. We're talking actual applications with logged in users that are CPU constrained. They're not like just, uh, you know, like put a CDN in front, right? So like, how do we optimize our code? How do we optimize our database? How do we offload tasks, right? You were talking about Elastipress. Like, how do we make WordPress? I mean, that's like where I'm super ex- interested, but like, how do we make WordPress more of an application, uh, uh, like a cloud application, right? And that's like the challenge, but that's also what we want because want it or not, um, Amazon and Shopify, they're cloud applications. They're not just a little CMS that's running on a single server with a database, right? They're distributed applications with microservices and the whole thing. So yeah, of course they have related products super easily. Like it's all handled elsewhere. Right. No, I mean, and I agree with everything you just said, but I think that's the evolution you're seeing in web hosting being de- being dead, right? Like I gave a talk like 10, 10 years ago about web hosting is dead. And what that means is web hosting, it has been dead for years, but having a website has never been as alive as it is since COVID, right? And what it really means is, you know, like the reason Rocket's so successful is we've built a solution on a platform. And we have a platform that customers can adopt, and it's a range of customers. So, you know, that's why we're starting to work towards more features that have to do with WooCommerce and different things. And we're, you know, trying to leverage, you know, innovate in different ways. So we can have these like SKUs that somebody comes and they have those items. Like a last, you know, Elasticsearch is done. Like, and that's an easy one. That's low hanging fruit. Elasticsearch, Redis, that stuff's been around forever. But, you know, at the same time, now, you know, it's not uncommon to see somebody start a brand new store with no budget and they want all the same features as Amazon, right? And then you start to get into a cost battle and as they should want those features, right? So it's challenging. You, you've got, you could go build a thousand dollar a month solution and there's, you know, some customers will easily adopt it. But I think where we see a lot of the struggle even is, you know, the, well, I want to start selling t-shirts online. Do I go to Shopify and just click a couple buttons and I'm taking orders? Or do I have to figure out this this WordPress WooCommerce thing? And, you know, what does that even mean? Yeah, I mean, it's super. I mean, I'm super. I think it's like super dynamic right now because, like I said, like we're competing. We're trying to compete with Shopify, but I also talk with agencies and there's like on the I mean, with the, some of the agencies that are trying to do the scale consortium, but even on the WooCommerce side, I'm talking with agencies that are trying to compete with, like we were talking about earlier, like Adobe Commerce, right? Because, like, it's it's kind of the only option, right? Outside those kind of proprietary platform, like you have Big Commerce and Adobe Commerce on one side, and then you have Shopify on the other, and then you have kind of WooCommerce that can kind of do both, but requires kind of a more specialized kind of set, and it's not always as easy but you know there's opportunities because they're not proprietary yeah well i i just i think that 
and I, I think there's a really, really big difference between the people that are just getting started and want to build a store. And I think there's a really, unfortunately, um, I think that it's a harder sell for those people to not choose Shopify than to choose WooCommerce. Like, but I think you have agencies building stores for people <clears throat> who are building things in WooCommerce. I think, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to say whether I think one way or another, because I don't really, it's, it's kind of an opinion. Um, but it's like, well, there, there's a lot of great reasons. If you're starting out and you're a do it yourselfer and you want to get a store online, I think it's easier on Shopify, you know? Um, there are people like extend there are people like extendify and other groups that are trying to make it easy um you know to try and get started but it's really hard to pick uh, if you want to just go like you got to get a hosting account install wordpress install shop uh, woocommerce it's really difficult so but i think the other part of this is the agencies love to build more on wordpress i think um, then Shopify. So agencies are out there implementing stores for businesses and then managing them. And then you've got this crew of people that have been on WooCommerce for a long, long time. And they're the big stores that are growing. And there's an interesting stat out there, and I forget what it is, but if you look at the GMB, the gross merchandise value of stores on Shopify versus WooCommerce, I know we always talk about the number of installs. The GMV is like 2X, I think, on Shopify versus WooCommerce. And that tells me that like Shopify stores are selling more. And there's a lot of people that may have installed WooCommerce and tried to get going and it never really took off for them. And so I think there's a, a just to be real, I think there is a, you know, there's a, 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 a something to be said that Shopify is attracting high value merchants and they're attracting these people who are aging out of WooCommerce moving there with their very large stores. So there's very di succinct different audience segments um, out there. Yeah. One of the, uh, one of the more high profile sites that was actually pursued by Shopify, um, you know, they had their team go after it was ColourPop and Kylie Cosmetics, right? both the same brand, um, technically, but that, that was a site that they actually went after, right? They intentionally pursued it and acquired it away from WooCommerce. And this was years ago at a time when it was much harder to build a performant WooCommerce store. You know, back in the days when the WooCommerce core team, uh, their, their idea of dog fooding back then was the fact that WooCommerce.com was built on WooCommerce, right? That was the largest site they had ever seen was WooCommerce.com. Still a big site, but no, no longer the largest WooCommerce site out there, right? It, it's been interesting seeing that, you know, the Shopify Plus team actively pursues sites on other platforms and they make it really easy for them to move. And they do that because they know that big fish attract small fish. And the more big fish they land, the more small fish will come and hang out. And so uh, they're willing to take a loss. You know, a site like that doesn't make Shopify as much money as you think, 
right? Infrastructure cost for a site that's doing that many orders is higher than what they're paying for. But they consider those larger brands to be a loss leader because they can make money off of all of the smaller brands that come over because they're there. And we need to start being able to tell that story too. We need to be able to start telling that story on the WooCommerce side. And there are tons of brands doing tons of money on WooCommerce. And we don't tell those stories well enough. And I think that's part of why you know, the attrition is, is where it is. I think we can do a better job of telling those stories. So <clears throat> that being said, um, you mentioned uh, the need for something to test plugins and kind of provide these baseline performance scores. And do you feel maybe that's something that the Tide project should start to investigate, creating these core plugin vitals uh, beyond just what they're doing now, uh, more than just PHP compatibility and automated quality testing? I think, you know, I think that's, Testing is a is a big thing that's overlooked, right? Coming from some of the SaaS stuff that I did in between my my hosting career, you know, like even our API at Rock.net's got ninety eight percent test coverage, right? Like we have test clients for every service we integrate with, and we have the same in our React portal. You know, our our portal was built by the guy that built Visa Checkout, so we have all of these very modern testing practices for integration tests, Cypress, things like that. And you know, I, I think it's you know, something that, you know, you'll start to see more and more, especially as PHP 8 has surfaced, you know, I think it's starting to to become, you know, more of a, a modern, popular language again, because as much as everybody always hates on PHP, it's been around forever, and it's a great, powerful language. It's so good now. It's so good. Yeah, like, and it, and you know what, quite honestly, it's always been good, because it's very, like, versatile, like, you can do a lot of stuff with it. But at the same time, you know, I think there's a lot of different strategies. Like if you're writing Golang or Node or, you know, whatever it might be, you know, you come up in this environment that is test, like a test-driven development strategy. And, you know, I think testing is a big part of it, but I think, you know, there's, it's as a, I'd have to, if I put myself in the plugin developer's shoes, or like I start to think about this awesome feature I want to deliver, it, maybe I'm not really thinking about the performance because this is just such an awesome feature that I just want to enable for, for the world. And I think where we just have to, you know, imagine there just being an opportunity to almost like an APM test runner to be like, you know, what, what is your plugin meant to run with? Okay. It's meant to run with WooCommerce. It's meant to do this. Like let's run it for a test suite of a hundred thousand errors in a database and let's run your search algorithm, whatever it might be. And I think I think there could be some really creative stuff that you could somewhat standardize, right? Like there's a a way to get a score at the end of that. Like, hey, you're using this old hook that was written 10, 12 years ago. There's a new one that you could replace this with and get a performance gain, right? Um, you know, everybody's always talking about AI and all this stuff. Well, if, if it's so smart and so great, why can't we use some of that? to analyze some of these plugins and figure out, Hey, like there's actually a better hook or there's a better function that you can use that'll increase speed or improve it. You know? So I, I think, I don't know. I mean, that's just me kind of thinking, you know, from a performance perspective, you never really hear anybody talk about that. Right. Like it's always page speed, page speed, 
like what about plugin speed right like like what what is the plugin bloat what does this do to the database what are what are what am i getting myself into type of deal by by doing this yeah and i think this is like kind of a new thing because we're shifting towards this these kind of wordpress application things right because before web vitals made sense right because you just you know, you do the critical CSS, you put the CDN, you do this, you get your cool web vitals. But if we shift more towards like applications, it's what you, it's, it's kind of what you're, you're saying, Ben, like we want like code scaling tests. Uh, you called it plugin vitals, I think. I liked it anyways. I like the, the idea, right? Like it's like, how does your plugin behave if you have a hundred thousand posts or a million posts, right? Like, it's not necessarily going to behave well. So um, that could be a badge or a thing that... And, and maybe that's okay, right? And maybe that's okay. Yeah, maybe that's okay. Yeah, maybe that's okay. But at least you could be... Or at least you tested up to this, you know? Or or something like that. I mean, even if you could just know before you install a plugin, like how much is it going to alter your database? You know, what is it going to do? How many, you know, how many records is it going to insert? Um, the, you know, cause people have a really bad habit of just like, I'm going to try 10 different plugins to solve this thing in my production site. And it's a constant activate, deactivate, uninstall, install, activate, deactivate. And it's like, what are you doing every time you do that? You know, um, hopefully nothing because it's cleaning itself up, but it's, we know that's not true. Yeah, but it doesn't. <laughs> Most plugins don't, right? Most plugins don't actually do the, the uninstall right. hook. Uh, clean up thing right so but that's true yeah i think that's a, a really good point and in, in the hosting space it's really difficult to provide a, a single solution that works for everyone given that everyone is now you know millions of permutations right it was easier before when there were a, a core set of plugins that a lot of people used and not many others, but the ecosystem has grown so much that you know, now we have plugins that have their own ecosystems. And that's insane to me, by the way. Plugins like WooCommerce and Easy Digital Downloads and uh, MemberPress and Lifter LMS and Gravity Forms, all of these plugins that are ecosystem plugins that have their own ecosystems behind them. They have add-ons that other people develop um, and have created entire subsets of the WordPress ecosystem. It's really cool to see, but it's kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, it's insane, actually. And people can do a very successful business with, like, you know, multiple employees and they're just like an ecosystem plugin. It's crazy. Yeah, it really is. I mean, even GiveWP, you know, that's another one where... You know, there, there's an ecosystem behind it. There's just a, a ton of these tinier ecosystems building around other plugins. Who becomes the arbiter, though, of how that ecosystem performs, right? Is it the core plugin that's responsible? Is it the individual plugin developers that are responsible? Is it the hosts that are responsible? Obviously, it's not just any one group of people it's all of us that become responsible the, the developers of the plugin of course you know share the weight of being the developer but at the same time 
you know, we all have some responsibility in, in surfacing these things. And that's kind of where this conversation started was. And I, I think also we didn't talk too much about it, but I think that's why there's a bit of a pressure to, to like have these kind of packaged hosting solutions, right? Like, Okay, you couldn't you maybe WooCommerce by itself can't compete with Shopify, but what if you had like a nice like prepackaged WooCommerce uh platform with like you sell like they don't even like the customer doesn't even need to know it's WooCommerce, right? Like it's just you packaged it, you put the you found the plugin, you optimized it, and you did all the work, and then it's like a pop-up store thing right that's why there's a bit of a pressure to do those kind of things as well for then it's like a lot less pressure on the customer to like figure all this stuff out well it also reduces churn because you know there is a big acquisition funnel of new customers going to shopify going to wix going to all these places and it's like if hosting providers like you know the blue hosts of the world and the GoDaddies of the world can figure out a turnkey get you started method where you're not going to churn, that's an incentive for them. We've shied away from that though, because it's like none of our customers, our customers already have all that figured out, you know, because they're more mature stores. So it's really helpful for the ones getting started. So they don't have to go shop around and get distracted trying to find plugins to do basic functionality. But um, it's probably not something more mature stores are going to adopt because they've already figured that all out. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of the area, though, where um, solutions like WooExpress are trying to fill a gap here, right? WooExpress is from WooCommerce, and it's their way to try and stop the, the initial attrition to an easier-to-use platform by making WooCommerce as easy to start as possible. And, you know, hopefully a lot of those learnings that they're, they're coming up with from running Woo Express come out to the rest of us over time uh, through improvements to core, uh, first of all, but through also just sharing best practices that they're learning. Um, and I think that that's, it's a remarkable opportunity because it's the first time that WooCommerce has actually had their hand in the game right of of trying to host woocommerce and host it well so i'm excited to see what that means for the core team uh as they learn more about what happens when stores start to scale up and that's where the disconnect i think has been for a long time you know we've we've finally passed the tipping point and this is there was a tipping point that you know, the WooCommerce leadership and I had talked about years ago. And that was that, you know, we had to reach a tipping point where there were enough people that were running large WooCommerce sites to make the large WooCommerce site market make sense to invest in. And it took a long time to get there. But I think we're finally there where we've crossed that tipping point. We're seeing high-performance order storage because of that. We're seeing products like Woo Express because of that. And I think that that's you know, really a good thing to see. I mean, we're building hosting businesses now off of the fact that there are mid-market and larger WooCommerce stores. And there are large WordPress sites, that just in general, that are bigger than the platform has seen 
in a number of ways, whether they be, you know, learning management system sites or membership sites. <laughs> and there's a lot of opportunity there. So we're getting close to time here where it, I just wanted to open the floor for uh, everybody to just share one more thing that they'd like to share with the community. Um, you know, this is your chance to address the WooCommerce development community in a way that uh, most people don't get to. So let's go ahead and start with Tom. Do you have anything you want to share? Yeah, I mean, if anyone's struggling with scaling issues, and especially if you're a plugin developer, we would love to replicate and test your plugin. Um, you know, so if there's any interest uh, in working with us, you can email me at tom at convesio.com. Um, again, we'd love to have better relationships with plugin developers and, um, you know, and of course, end, end developers working on WooCommerce sites as well. Yeah, from my end, I think I just want to, you know, we, we've done like a, a lot of, uh, I don't know, critiquing and maybe nitpicking slash, I don't want to say bashing, but, you know, we, we've definitely thrown out a lot of uh, shade in many ways and, and just kind of pointing, pointing fingers at different things or throughout the stack. But, but with all that said, you know, from my perspective, and I know everybody on this call is I truly appreciate every line of code that everybody in this ecosystem writes, right? So WooCommerce, like this was not me complaining about WooCommerce thinking it sucks or WordPress. You know, I've been a huge fan since day one. And, uh, you know, we even have, you know, some of our team at RSI is contributing to core and, you know, I'm just really grateful for all the hard work, you know, even separating the orders out, uh, and improve just, just the focus that has been done. Right. It's not that this is going on, on, you know, uh, ignored or anything like that. Um, so, you know, for my end, just a huge thank you to everybody that makes WooCommerce possible every single day. And if there's anybody that would ever like to talk about, uh, testing or, you know, like code, when I say testing, I mean like code strategies and stuff, maybe our CTO can lend a hand on from some of his experience. Um, or just, you know, some of, some of, uh, some of our ideas on how you, you, there might be a way to improve performance uh, in the back end of WooCommerce from a from a software perspective. But again, just want to make it known. Uh, you know, really appreciate everybody's hard work, and you know, we are huge fans of of everything that you do, and we all just want to work together to make it as as good as a solution as we can for the for the customer. For sure, I I echo the same sentiment. That's awesome. Now. Um... Well, and in the interest of full disclosure, I didn't do this at the beginning like I intended to. Um, I do work at Convesio with Tom, uh, so I want to make sure that all of you know that, you know, we try to be as impartial as possible, but I do work at Convesio. <laughs> um, but I also recommend Rocket constantly. So, Carl, as always, it's been fun. Do you have any final thoughts for us on, uh, on the topic today? Well, I mean, I want to echo a bit of what Ben said, because when I was at WordCamp Tokyo, I was saying how excited I was for the next decade of WooCommerce. Like, I don't know, like, I'm really passionate about solving the, like, a lot of these problems, basically. Um, that's, that's what Emir is about, mostly. So, um, and... There's a couple of people after I was talking that were like really hyped actually about it because I think there's a lot of opportunity 
And we're just start like, I think this is what this conversation was about, right? It was just like, we're, we're three people that are basically like at the edge trying to tackle these, these issues, right? Where like we see, we see the potential, like WooCommerce is at such a nice like intersection of things, right? Because if you're looking to not go proprietary, for for various reasons, right? Because like we haven't even discussed like things like uh, gray market uh, and, and things like that. But um, you know, there's a lot of opportunity with open source software, right? And there's a lot of strength to it. And WooCommerce is really the best open source e-commerce platform, I think. So like as much as we 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 critique we critique out of love and not out of you know uh bitterness and it's just because we think i think at least i think we're all on this call we we can all agree but i think it's the best open source e-commerce platform and we just want it to be as competitive as we feel it should be and it deserves to be and i think that's why we want to solve these infrastructure scaling issues that come from code that come from just scaling compute scaling um separating problems uh and things like that so i don't know i'm i'm super pumped always so that's why i love working on it so i just wanted to those were my closing remarks essentially (laughs) well thank you both for being here with us Uh, i really appreciate it i'm sure we could go another hour if we wanted to uh but we all have things to do. Uh, so I'm going to uh, ask quickly, Ben, where can people find you on the internet? I'm on Twitter, uh, Ben Gabler, and LinkedIn as well. Feel free to add me, hit me up anytime. Uh, ben at rocket.net works as well. Uh, I'm always around, gift and a curse. <laughs> so just <laughs> reach out. Always happy to talk shop. And Tom, same, same question. Yeah, and same for me, Twitter. LinkedIn, email Tom at Convesio.com. And uh, yeah, I'm always around as well. Awesome. Well, as always, this has been an episode of the Do The Woo podcast. Uh, If you have any suggestions for future episodes, please feel free to share them uh, with us through the dothewoo.io website or by simply messaging Bob on your uh, platform of choice. And uh, we look forward to seeing you all again uh, for the next one. Well, we had a little bit of tough love there, but also some recognition and optimism for all builders and what they bring to the community and the platform here in WooCommerce space and the WordPress space. So I'd like to thank Tom and Ben for taking the time to join us. And also do check out avalera.com and weeklot.com because they are a big part of the reason we can all do the Woo here. So until the next time.